Warning, this podcast contains strong language, graphic nudity, and depictions of extreme stupidity and is meant only for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Or not, you do you. Hello and welcome to the worst podcast on Mars, also known as Life's Like a Box of Chocolates. I'm Amanda. I think it's Life Was Like a Box of Chocolates. Don't correct it. My, my things are completely made up. My fake names for the podcast are completely made up. Does not matter if it was was or is. Suck butt. I'm Amanda. Apparently I'm a butt sucker. <laughs> that also gets set on fire. Yes. Uh, this is the podcast where we talk music, where I give you an album and we we give you the history of of how it came to be and how it charted and how you know how successful it was and how influential it was and this week we're doing the forest gump soundtrack before before we get into it evan amanda do you have any corrections from last week i don't even remember what last week was at this point core and i knew that you weren't going to remember so in my notes i started putting what last week was yes yes it was um core i haven't gotten around to editing that yet at the time of recording so as of now no but i mean one of us probably said something wrong i mean that's just how we speak how we speak we have yet to receive an official correction on on the music side so far every correction i've gotten has been from my father, and it has been a correction about a memory I don't remember correctly. So, or with Christopher Columbus. Yes, um, but no, we uh, we haven't heard any, and we're we're open to corrections. I I do research and I do um, give you the sources, but I still can say things wrong, or still could find a, a terrible resource. So, um, you know, we're we're not above correcting ourselves. I'm not above it. I don't know about Evan. Um, any grievances? Um, not that I can say right now. <laughs> not, not where it is recorded for evidence? Correct. Oh, God. Okay. So I'm just going to get into it. Um, like I said, we're doing the Forrest Gump soundtrack. It was released June 28th, 1994, and is 173 on this Rock and Roll Hall of Fame list we're doing. Okay. Before I get into any of it, I have a disclaimer. Okay. I know you, (laughs) Evan. Hey, hey, I know me too. I know you have an issue with this right off the bat. You don't like soundtracks. Uh, I was going to talk a little bit about that during my review, but go ahead. You don't, or you, you prefer original albums, and for once, I understand your thought process. That's not a thing I say often. But I understand your thought process. Purple Rain was a bit different because it was written specifically for scenes in the film and songs were not chosen to support the film. So in my research, I went looking for reasons why the soundtrack made this list. Why was it so popular and so important? Spoiler alert, it's going to be a very short episode. <laughs> <laughs> so... Go ahead and well, say your thing before I get no, into it. No, it was that the the short of it is I will get into a little bit of my thought process on that when I give you my review. Okay. All right. So that, that will get touched on. So. It, Thanks for spoiling it. That, well, you know, we, we've done some episodes before. Michael Jackson's Thriller was one and Tool's Lateralis was another where almost like 90% of the research I had all like those articles it was all about one thing with Thriller it was it talked all about how awesome the music video was and with Lateralis it talked all about the conspiracy theory and the and the Fibonacci sequence and it it made it hard to figure out what was so good about that album like why why me why it was so great and the problem with this one is you're gonna i would assume you're gonna find more about the film than the soundtrack yes and i do you know i for the most part i only rely on google and but i am going through i'm spending 
several hours going through all the oohs in Google to to find not just any information but like credible sources yeah. because I hate using wiki or blog posts. Yes, or you know, it's that makes it tough. And um yes, I knew going into it I was going to find a lot of information that was about the movie. So I was trying to, and I knew this one was going to be difficult. And there's, a, I think, isn't the Dirty Dancing soundtrack on this list? I believe so. I feel like it's going to be and the I same when we get there. I think there's one more. I think Saturday Night Fever is on this Maybe. list. I don't know if Grease is, but Grease oh, would be. Oh, Grease is, yes. But Grease would be, I think, a little bit easier. Grease is going to be more like um, the Phantom of the Opera one. Because that's specifically for that, whereas you yes. have like a Saturday Night Fever. Where that's songs a, that were picked for. Yeah. So it's yes, and I know going into those I'm going to have a harder time. It's going to be the same thing where it's like finding out a lot about the movie. So I tried to find why was this soundtrack compared to a lot of other soundtracks like what was so great about it and i did find some information but it's like it was you know a very easy thing to answer it was, there's not a lot of information i have a guess why uh it has to do with the popularity of the film that's part of it that that's what i would think it would have more to do with how much people love the film rather than what's on it that is one part of it that I will talk about. So let me get into it. Into it. I only have four, four notes. A bit about the film first. It was based on a 1986 novel by Winston Groom, also called Forrest Gump. The movie won six Academy Awards, made over $678 million at the box office, and has been entered into the Library of Congress in the U U.S. National Film Registry for being culturally historically or aesthetically significant while you're on that do you have the academy awards that it won no okay because it's not about the film <laughs> i know but i no, i don't i think that that could be a valid point for me to look up real quick it, it probably if i had to guess it probably like swept the oscars in the same way that you know everything all at once did this year where it was like best film probably best actress best i'm i'm sure tom hanks won that year for best actor i'm i'm trying to look that up while you continue okay. yeah okay i actually got, got it already it. all right go ahead okay best picture actor director uh writing screenplay um uh, editing and effects it's also nominated for supporting role cinematography uh art direction best sound best effects best makeup and best music original score so it has nothing to do with it's all of the acting part of it. It's not recognized for the musical yes, contribution. I'm... But go but ahead. But you did say something interesting there where it was original score, and we will talk about that. Yeah, I had, there, is a, there is a score piece on yes. the soundtrack. Yeah. So, and before I go any further, we did not watch the movie for this. Like, when we did NWA Straight Outta Compton, I wanted to watch the movie, and we made time. And with Purple Rain... I made it a point because that soundtrack was... That movie. Yes. We did not watch the movie for this. We have both seen the movie. Yes. It's been a long time, but we did not watch the movie for this. But I, I didn't push for I, it. Because... I don't think watching the movie would have any impact on reviews for this. No. Because but... it's not directly related to the film. I will talk more about it. It, it you're correct watching it would not have helped our reviews any yes um but it i'll just get into it so the composer for the original songs on the soundtrack was alan silvestri who also scored the avengers avengers endgame and back to the future in addition to to silvestri's additions the rest of the soundtrack has over 30 songs ranging from the 50s through the early 80s, which were the decades that the film took place. It's a good mix of rock, soul, country, psychedelia, and pop. So, what was different here? Like, why? 
are you are you asking me or are you gonna no, is it a rhetorical it's, question it's rhetorical okay. you just look at me and you let me talk thank you while most soundtracks include both pop music and original music for the movie what makes the forrest gump soundtrack so popular is how those two come together to create sort of a time capsule for the time frame of the movie sylvester's sorry sylvester's Themes throughout his compositions include running and victory, growth and redemption, loneliness and alienation, and an overall simple and childlike innocence. All of these themes relate to Forrest Gump and the way Tom Hanks portrayed him. All of the items Sylvester wrote are specifically for Forrest. Yeah, which, so, which I can understand. Right. So, you know, we're talking about original music Everything he wrote is just for Forrest and Forrest's story arc. Everything else is for everybody else and all the settings. On the other side of it, okay, we have all the pop songs that define those nearly four decades. These songs are for everything and that happens around the characters with all the songs picked specifically for their lyrics as Sylvester tried to match the lyrics to what was happening on screen. These songs play in chronological order as the film progresses. If you watch closely, the songs create such a connection that one article noted the barrier between character and soundtrack are almost non-existent, and that it works together to better illustrate how strongly the characters are impacted by the world around them. So that is the important part of this soundtrack when you have other soundtracks um let's take titanic for example okay you have celine's big song my heart will go on and you have all the other like instrumentals the score yeah the score the rest of the score it is not necessarily laid out in a way that progresses this through the story it does not really like for, for this all of the songs on it that, like I said, they're in chronolo chronological order, depicting the different events that, and it's played during the time frame, you know, and the lyrics relate somehow to the things that are happening. Like, take um, Leonard Skinner's uh, Freebird. Okay. That's the scene where Jenny is contemplating suicide. Is that in here? Yeah. I, didn't, well, I thought it was Sweet Home Alabama. In the movie. Okay. Freebird. Okay, it's not on the soundtrack. Okay, I was but like... it's in the movie. It, and it's the first example I can think of. In the movie, Freebird is playing. But it's also the scene where Jenny contemplates suicide and she's standing in the windowsill. And so the, it, the lyrics work because she is thinking, this is my, my, my yeah. way out. This is my... You know, so it's like, that's the first one I can think of is, you know, so it's... They were picked specifically for that. And it wasn't just, like, going back to Titanic. I, I don't know that soundtrack as well. Okay, maybe the Valentine movie soundtrack. Okay. I, You know that better than I do, but okay. Well, you have it, Rob Zombie's on there and Static X is on there. And, um... Oh, Orgy, I think. Orgy, yes. But they were all party songs. That were heavily used in the party scenes of the movie. But they they were just like background songs that were in the movie while it played. And didn't really push the story along. Yeah, Rob Zombie, Disturbed, Linkin Park, Deftones, which we talked about. Yeah, that's right. It, the way these songs were done is it was done in a way that made the viewer have a stronger emotional connection to the character into that scene okay this all the songs are picked for that um okay you just want me to move on to the cultural yeah i i don't really think i'm gonna have much to add here uh, right in general but right. like you said there's not really a whole lot of information for this specific soundtrack other than what you just brought right. up that's probably but, it but in terms of answering the why is it on this list did i do that or i think yet? so i think it's one of the i'm i'm sure if we really sat down we could find other examples but this is one of the 
probably best examples of a soundtrack with music that is not created specifically for the film that is has such a high connection to the yeah. film. I think most soundtracks, it's po- full of popular music from the from the time. Like okay, going back to Valentine. Days and confused. That that's a soundtrack I know well. Okay, so it's is it all like seventies music? Um, let's see who all's on there. I think Alice Cooper's on there. I want to say Ted Nugent's on there. Skinnerd. I want to say Nazareth, but it's a lot of that late '70s stuff, mm-hmm. which is the time frame yeah. of the movie, and that's and that's what this did too. But it did it, it; it took it, it like elevated it to manipulate your emotions. Where yeah, where it had like the the songs that were picked had a connection to the scenes. Right, right. It wasn't just songs that were popular during that time necessarily. So uh, the soundtrack was certified twelve times platinum. And it was marketed as 32 American classics on two CDs. It was also partially popular because of the time frame in which it was released. When the movie came out in 1994, it hit the right generation. Those who grew up during these same years were it was the ones that enjoyed that same music. And I... Th- it, so it just it hit them different um it was all popular for them which helped to increase sales which when i read that i was like oh so in the 90s you know my parents 94 my dad turned 40 okay so he he was born in 54 so, so it's you have it, it's the force gump wasn't necessarily directed at the older generation but the older generation has a stronger connection right. to the story, the stuff so depicted in the film. My dad was roughly the same age as Forrest Gump when when that movie came out, and would have been a child when Young Forrest was depicted. So it's like in the same time frame. So he he would have known all of this music. So like people like him in the same generation, they're like, "This is my music. You know, yeah. this is what was popular." When I was young and when I was growing up in the 60s and when I was, you know, it, it, it rang louder to them. Yeah. It was, it was more important. So that, that did help increase sales because it was targeting the right group of people that hit that nostalgia feel, you know. Um, the soundtrack entered the charts at number 34 in July 1994, peaked at number two in August, only three weeks later. And it stayed on the charts for 94 weeks. Was in the top 10 for 15 weeks, the top 20 for 20 weeks, and the top 40 for 36 weeks. Okay. You made a face. No, I'm just wondering. It was is a side thing. Is you said it hit number two. I'm wondering what number one was that week. Mm. Like it, nothing, nothing important. It yeah. just you you mentioned things. It's like okay, I wanna. I'm trying to go off on a little bit of a tangent. Yeah. Because I I know that I don't have anything to add really to this one so it's like okay you're you're saying things and i'm trying to kind of follow that i i'm letting i'm i'm using half of my brain to listen to you and i'm using the other (laughs) half to kind of work on other things like oh great so to sum it up it's on this list because the songs work to help tell the story so well and it's such a culture defining collection of music yes it's sold extremely well but it's still a collection of works by a lot of other people. However, without the soundtrack and the way it was done, the movie wouldn't have been so emotional and received so well. They picked the exact right songs to hit everybody in the feels. And it just... They both worked, the movie and the, and the soundtrack worked well to boost sales for both sides of yes. it. So, um, and that doesn't always happen. So that... Like I said, that was a very, very brief. This one I knew was going to be hard to do. But I feel as though I answered, why is it on the, this It's a big list? question, yeah. Yeah, so um, let me get into my sources. Ranking, or sorry, thank you to Ranking All the Songs from the Forrest Gump Soundtrack by Thomas Newman, published February 6, 2022 on chaospin.com. I think our cat wrote that. Um, Probably. 
Thank you to How Forrest Gump Mastered Musical Storytelling by Rewinder Staff, published May 24th, 2019 on Medium.com. Thank you to Forrest Gump Soundtrack to Get Red, White, and Blue Triple LP Reissue by Corey Grow, September 9th, 2014 on RollingStone.com. That might be cool. It was if, cool. If other than forgetting what it was, but like some of these reissues of yeah. like some of these other ones, like I think... Um, and Justice for All got a got a nice reissue, mm-hmm. or some of the. I I like it more with like the studio albums because you're. I like all that kind of behind the scenes stuff mm-hmm. with films or like. I think it'd be better probably to do like a like a movie reissue with all this yeah extra stuff than an album. And it was I saw a picture of it and it was really cool. I mean it had, I don't know. Um, I didn't look to see what else was on it to make it three disc well it, it was vinyl one was red one was white one was you, blue. you it's probably long enough that you can let's assume that a cd is a full cd is 80 minutes let's assume this soundtrack is probably two hours i think vinyl can hold less per side mm-hmm. so if vinyl can only hold let's call it 30 minutes a side then one vinyl would be 30 one would be or one would be 60 one would be 120 so you would need that third vinyl mm-hmm. to fill in a little bit of extra yeah thank you to 17 movies with soundtracks that you need to listen to by andrew lassane published august 5th 2019 on insider.com thank you to what we're listening to for scump soundtrack by stephanie published august 29 2013 on catbird Thank you to Forrest Gump and other generation-defining soundtracks by Craig Havadi, published July 6, 2011 on HoustonPress.com. And thank you to Forrest Gump the, um, from the Billboard database, no date, on billboard.elpee.jp. I don't know, but I had to, to get the you had to, charting You had to do some digging. I had to, yeah. So, um, before we get into our reviews, I have my second disclaimer of the episode. Okay. Um, which you already know about because you're part of the, the podcast. Okay. <laughs> Just because um, I'm part of it doesn't mean you tell me anything. So when we listen to these, we go to Apple Music and like Exile Main Street by Rolling Stones. I did say, you know, we were on Apple Music and it wasn't the vinyl. So it was remastered, which did affect the sound quality because it's clear. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we... We choose Apple Music because we do we have access. Have yeah, we do have access to a hell of a lot of stuff. Um, and and then it also makes it easier to make sure that we're doing the same one. We can share it, you yeah. know, with each other. Um, we could not get the actual physical soundtrack on Apple Music. So I researched the track listing and made a playlist and double checked it, adding each specific song by that certain artist and made sure it was in that exact order. And I just, I had, I had to create a playlist that had it. And I did accidentally add two extra songs, um, running on empty by Eagles. And I think the Jackson Brown one. I would say that's Jackson Brown. Oh, running. running Uh, what was the Eagles one then? I don't know. Go your own way. No, that's Fleetwood Mac. Fleetwood. Fuck. I have a music podcast. No, it's Mac, not fuck. Goddamn. Um, Point is, we couldn't just go to it and click it and go. And so we had to get a little creative with this one. But we made sure that we hit every single one. Yes. And I made sure it was that song by that artist and it wasn't a cover. I mean, the only, the only one that I could think of was there was one that you sent that was a live version of it. Yes. And, but in the film, the so that was the Joan Baez, um, Blowing in the Wind, Bob Dylan cover. So that's the scene of the film where Jenny is playing at a bar and she's sitting naked on a stool with the guitar covering her. She's singing this song, but she's performing it and being heckled by people in the audience. It is a live version. They're playing Joan Baez because Robin Wright's character is sitting there performing it. Yeah, but I think there, there is also a studio version of Joan Baez's right, cover. But the scene is is she's playing live in so it's 
Yeah. Yeah, and with without looking at the soundtrack specifically, I don't know if it was the studio recording or if it was a, the live recording that right. was used on the soundtrack. Right. But point is, the song was there. Yes. So, Evan, why don't you give us your review? Okay, so I'm going to do my review slightly differently than I organized it before. Okay. I'm going to give you my rating to start, and then I'm going to go into a couple other things. Okay. Because I normally tell you what songs I keep and all that. Right. So, I understand the point that you tried to make with the emotional response mm -hmm. to that. So Which you're dead inside. So, for that reason alone, it is going to raise my grade. Okay. To an F+. Plus. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, I'm going to tell you a little bit more, and then I'm going to get into what you were alluding to earlier. So, I didn't keep anything off of it. That's not saying that I don't like some of the songs off of it. You know, it, the songs that I would like, uh, Hound Dog, Rebel Rouser, Land of a Thousand Dances, Fortunate Son, Respect, uh, what is that, Rainy Day Woman, number 12 and 35, mm -hmm. I think that one's not called the cut off the top of it, California Dreaming, For What It's Worth. Break On Through, Mrs. Robinson, Turn, 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 Sweet Home Alabama, Running On Empty, Go Your Own Way, On The Road Again, Against The Wind, and that was the last one, and that's a picture of a cat. So there's, <laughs> there's decent stuff on this list. Mm -hmm. So even though I don't need one because I'm 14 feet f tall and can catch foul balls, I'm going to get on a soapbox <laughs> and go on a little bit of a rant. That's a deep, deep cut. <laughs> I know. I had that one lined up for a while. So the problem that I have with soundtracks, and I, I talked a little bit about it, Violet Fabs. I, I corrected myself a couple times for the Tony Hawk Underground 2. Mm -hmm. I called it a soundtrack, and then I reworded it as a collection of songs. Yes. I There are... Um, exceptions, I guess, is the word that I want to use. The Detroit Rock City soundtrack. It was a movie in the late 90s. There are songs on that album that are not released on another format. You know, there's a Marilyn Manson cover of Highway to Hell. There are a couple other cover versions of songs by different artists, because that's how covers work. On the Spawn soundtrack... There's a remix of For Whom the Bell Tolls. It's, I think it's Metallica and DJ Spooky. On the Watchmen soundtrack, My Chemical Romance did a cover of Desolation Row. Mm -hmm. So there are exceptions to soundtracks. Most soundtracks are not that I'm aware. And Purple Rain is, a, is another example of a, a quote-unquote good soundtrack mm -hmm. you know it's the problem the main problem that i have and it's the same thing with uh greatest hits albums which i'll also get into this album creates nothing it's not new there is one track off of here that is new is the score piece mm -hmm. did you know there's a score soundtrack album to forrest gump that's just the score I think I did know that. And that, the tail end of the Forrest Gump soundtrack is on, is a combination of two pieces from the score. Mm -hmm. So that's already on the score. Now, if you want to say, okay, we're going to listen to the score of the film, fine. You know, that that's created specifically for this. But there's nothing new here. The pro, One of the biggest things I have going through, it's the same kind of thing with Greatest Hits. I... There are there are exceptions. Um, there are uh, Iron Maiden's "Best of the Beast" has a song called "Virus" on it. It was a I think it was the B side to "Lord of the Flies" off the X Factor. That was never released on a studio album. There are songs that they put on there. It's few and far between that they put on a greatest hits album that has not been released previously. Mm -hmm. Those songs are okay. Okay. 
I don't like the 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 rest of the album because if I'm going to buy an album, I want to hear something that I haven't heard before that I don't have access to elsewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to buy the 40th anniversary of Number of the Beast. The only thing that's on there is Total Eclipse. It was a B-side of I think Run of the Hills. You know, that really yes, it's a new version, but that has not that adds nothing new really. Right. It also had, I think, the first release of Beast Over Hammersmith on vinyl, which which is a whole separate thing. But most of Greatest Hits albums and traditional soundtracks, like the ACD or the Iron Man 2 soundtrack, that's all ACDC stuff. There's nothing, and it's all previously released. That has that contributes nothing. You know, it's already there. If I'm going to listen to ACDC, I want to listen to the album because there's a lot of good stuff out with um, Bob Dylan's probably a better example. There's a lot of stuff that he's recorded that has no radio play. Like if, if you want to talk, he's released 40 albums, roughly. And let's say 10, tra- 10 tracks an album. Mm-hmm. So he's released 400 songs. His greatest hits album would probably be in the neighborhood of 30 to 40. There's so much material that he has released that the general public doesn't know, mm-hmm. you know, because they don't sit down and listen to him. I don't want to only be limited to Hound Dog. If I want to listen to Elvis, you know, I want to listen to some of these other stuff that, you know, maybe you don't know as well. Okay. You know, I, I don't like the, or the same thing with the Greatest Hits albums. You're going to hear... Heartbreak Hotel, you're going to hear Hound Dog, you're going to hear, uh, what is it, Jailhouse Rock, mm-hmm. Blue Suede Shoes. There's so much other material that he has that's not going to show up. You know, and there are, uh, we'll go back to Iron Maiden, Power Slave is a fantastic album. I absolutely love that album. It's probably my favorite of theirs. Ace is High. Two Minutes to Midnight and Power Slave, I think, were the singles. They've also played Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, which I'd love to see, and that's it. There are three other tracks on that album that were not released as singles and that they've never even performed. Flash of the Blade, The Duelist, and Back in the Village. Flash of the Blade is probably my favorite Iron Maiden track, and I won't hear it anywhere else. You know, it's not going to show up on a Greatest Hits album, but because, or a soundtrack to anything. So I'm going to have to go digging to find that. And that's going to open up a more a bigger appreciation for this for the band. You know, because it's like, oh, okay, I'm going to listen to this that's not just the major hit. So by doing a soundtrack, you're kind of narrowing the gap of what the general public knows. Yes, it's the, it's the more successful. But most of these artists have so much other great work that nobody gets into because they're limited on what it's just, it's one of the same reasons I don't like the radio. You know, it's you hear the same three Zeppelin songs. You know, there's so much more that they've done, so much more that the Beatles have done, so much more that the Stones have done, so much more that Bowie's done that you don't know about because your most of your exposure to them is the same 10 songs. Okay. And that's what I dislike about soundtracks is it, it kind of throw it kind of just keeps that cycle going. It's like you don't hear anything new. Does that make any sense? I understand. When, when you say soundtracks, they don't create anything new. I get that. There are some people who write songs specifically for a movie like we're coming up to one where they wrote a song specifically for a movie and they liked it so much they also included it on their album but it came to the movie first yeah which is which is fine because it's one of those that if you which out briefly give another example not the one that's coming up if you can i can't okay that's the only one i can think about but like there are some people they write music for a movie. Yes. Like, specifically for the movie. I get what you were saying. Like, something like this didn't really add anything new. However, 
most people are not going to say, oh, I want to listen to Elvis today. Let me put in the Forrest Gump soundtrack to listen to the one Elvis song on it. They're going to, if they want to listen to an artist, they're going to go to that artist. But most, there are, there's there's a group of that group of people that'll say, I want to listen to Elvis. This is the only Elvis song I know, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with what I know. I'm gonna I'm and not there's gonna. There's nothing wrong with I'm that. N- which is fine. I'm not gonna venture outside of my comfort zone, which I think should be done to an extent. And if you solely go on greatest hits or soundtracks, you're not gonna necessarily get that experience. I disagree with that part of your thoughts and feelings and it is my legal right to do so (laughs) (laughs) but i don't know if i've ever really gotten into and explained to you i don't i don't want you to why i well no i just did i I don't know if i've ever really explained that to you when i say i don't want you to i don't want you to ever do it again so much so that i don't want to listen to it when i have to go through your edits so (laughs) it's just it's your opinion. Yeah. I don't I, agree with it. I think I think you are being a, a very big music snob when you you you're like gatekeeping artist and you're saying that you can't like somebody because you choose to like it. A soundtrack. A soundtrack is just no, a playlist you, specifically for Yeah, if something. you want to listen to the soundtrack, fine. I don't have a problem with you listening to the soundtrack. I don't want to do it because I think to me I have more I get more enjoyment out of discovering more of what an artist has done more than what you what is surface level. You know, I like I like digging into an artist and saying, "Oh, I would have never found this song before." You know, if you want to li- if you just want to live off of soundtracks or something like that, I have no problem with that. That's that's just not something that I and that I want to do. You went in this with a prejudice of hating soundtracks. So you are overlooking how well the songs work together to tell the story for Scott. Which is why I raised my grade. From an F to an F plus. But it I still I gave you fine, a D minus. I'm giving this album credit for doing that. That still doesn't change my my opinions on what a soundtrack is. Okay. I know it's an audio medium, so nobody can see me roll my eyes at you. Oh, they can They can definitely see it. They can totally see it. Oh, yeah. You're, I'm saying you're done. You're I'm done. I'm asking if you're done. I'm just saying you're done. Um, so I knew going into this that I was going to love this soundtrack. These decades have some what? And there's there's good songs on there. Like I, like I said, there's there's songs that I would keep. I just see would. that, and I'm I don't want I'm gonna say something, and I don't want you to explain it at all. That does not compute in my brain. How you can say these songs are good, yet I give it a D. I just does not compute. I can nope. I can explain it. No, I can give I don't, you no, I can give you a better no, example. No, no, I'm gonna give my review. I'm gonna interrupt you anyway. Mm. Phantom of the Opera. Fan of the Opera is okay musically. You know, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. That I needed the visual for that, so it doesn't work as an album for me. That didn't help you at all. No, I died over here. I'm done. Okay, so these decades have some amazing music, and the soundtrack is, I don't want to say the best of the best, but it's got a good selection. And it's like a quick history lesson in the progression of popular music during the time frame. It's certainly not everything, but it's a good representation of these decades. No surprise, but I already knew all of the songs here. Yeah, because you've seen the movie. Even though I was 11 when this movie came out, I remember watching it multiple times and loving it. It's such a good movie, and the soundtrack really does help to add the emotional embellishments. One article I read talked about how this soundtrack was done so well and in such a way that it manipulated your emotions, which sounds bad, but in the sense of something like a movie, that's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to help the audience make a stronger emotional connection to the characters and what is happening in the movie. This soundtrack 
just does it in a way that most can't. And it's it was a piece that was an accurate representation of the era. It's just so good. So yes, your hand is raised. You're interrupting me again. What? Was it a rainbow connection? Goodbye. So as I mentioned, in order to listen to this soundtrack, I had to create it as a playlist. I'm keeping the playlist. Everything in it as is. I'm thinking of adding some other songs I like from this era to it and kind of making it my own golden oldies playlist in a way, which is a few of these songs I already had in my library. Um, so at the time of me writing this, we haven't watched the movie which I mentioned earlier, like, we didn't we didn't watch it. And I wasn't sure if we were going to or not. I didn't know how you felt about that. But we have both seen it, just not in recent years. So after reading through this history and reviews a bit, I think I'd like to watch it again just to have a better grasp of how that soundtrack works with the story. I will say that I did like the songs from Disc 1 better than Disc 2. But overall, it was still very good. Which, surprise, those are your 50s and 60s, was mostly disc one. Um, It's still very good, and I agree with all of the songs they picked. I think they picked just the right songs. And kept it all, and I gave it an A. Okay. So, this is a perfect example of two very different trains of thought on how to approach things. Yeah, and my train of thought now says I'm not going to give you final thoughts, and I'm just going to do it myself. I know the reasons why you don't like soundtracks in general. Yeah, because I just explained them to you. Yes. It's not necessarily original work from start to finish, but I can absolutely see why this soundtrack is on this list. It works so well with the movie in a way that just isn't isn't supporting material. Although it's been a long time since I have seen the movie, there are a lot of scenes I remember and I could feel a connection to Forrest or Jenny or Lieutenant Dan or Bubba or whoever during certain songs it made me feel more connected to something i haven't seen in years and to me that's something powerful very well done so i am closing the conversation of soundtracks and of forrest gump we are moving on to this day in history you don't have a recommendation we do this day we do recommendations on our way out the door this day in history. Okay. Do you have this day in history for me? I have a few things for you. Okay. April 14th. Okay. Okay. 1953. Lita Rosa. Do you know that name? No. Was it number one on the UK singles chart with How Much Is That Doggy in the Window? <laughs> okay. The 27-year-old singer was the NME Reader's top female artist of 1953 and with this single became the first British female singer to top the UK singles chart and the first liver pudlian to do so. All right. I think that's how, I think that's what they're called. All right. 1967, Polydor Records released the Bee Gees' New York Mining Disaster 1941. It was released with a promotional slogan announcing the most significant talent since the Beatles. Uh, became a twenty top 20 hit in the UK and the US. Okay. 1967. A riot broke out at Warsaw's Palace of Culture as the Rolling Stones made their first appearance in an Iron Curtain country. Police used tear gas in a bottle with 2,000 fans. In a battle with 2,000 fans. That makes more sense than a bottle. Oh, yeah. There's just... It always boggles my mind that there's so much, like, crazy shit that happens behind the scenes of this at concerts and you know press events and just all the weird shit that has happened so i'm gonna have to find this track now to make you listen to it 1967 david bowie's novelty record the laughing gnome was released in the uk the track consisted of the singer meeting and conversing with the creature of the title whose sped up voice delivered several puns on the word gnome. The song became a hit when reissued in 1973. Despite it being radically different to his material at the time, the single made single made number six in the UK charts. All right. That'd be... That's not a surprise from him, I think, but I it'd be interesting to listen to. So here here's the best list of tracks for you. 1971. 
the Illinois Crime Commission issued a list of drug-oriented records. So that's the that's the list we need to find. Mm-hmm. Including The White Rabbit by Jefferson Airplane. I love that song. A Wider Shade of Pale by Proko Haram. Mm-hmm. Which I, I know the title, but I don't know the song. I know the song. And Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds by... Bite Owls. Bite Owls. 1975. After rumors that Jimmy Page, Steve Marriott, which I don't know, Jeff Beck, or Chris Spedding, who I also don't know, Variously would replace Mick Taylor as guitarist in the Rolling Stones. A press release confirmed that Ronnie Wood would be joining the band for their forthcoming American tour. 1994. Kurt Cobain was cremated at the funeral home in Seattle. I'm not going to even attempt it. The death certificate listed Cobain's occupation as... Entertainer. Poet slash musician. Okay. And his type of business as? Sketchy. Punk rock. Okay. And and here's a fun story for you, and I think this is my last one for this day. 2003. A man was arrested, accused of making up a Bjork concert and then selling tickets. Okay. He allegedly sold tickets worth $14,000 at $40 a piece. After persuading a San Diego nightclub owner that Bjork had agreed to play there. He was accused of taking the money and moving to Hawaii where he was later arrested. Okay. Like, I don't think you could really get away with that now. No. But Bjork of of all people at a nightclub? You're like, alright. And I'm reading through this list and I'm not recognizing a whole lot of birthdays. So I'm going to give you... The couple that I think you'll know, and then we'll just sprinkle some others in. All right. right? Loretta Lynn, country singer, Mm -hmm. the first woman to be named Country Music Artist Entertainer of the Year. Uh, Since her first number one hit, Fist City, in 1967, she has scored another 15 chart toppers. 44. 32. (laughs) The only other name that I recognize off this list. English guitarist and songwriter Richie Blackmore from Deep Purple. I believe he was also in Rainbow. Yeah, later formed Rainbow. Uh, so we talked about um, Machine Head in a Reviews Days, one of the first ones. That was 1973, U.S. number four single, Smoke on the Water. I was going to say 52, but now I don't think that's... 47. 45. Okay. And like I said, we're just going to get into names that I have no idea who any of these people are. Okay? Mm-hmm. June Millington from American all-female band Fanny, who were active in the early 70s. They were one of the first notable rock groups to be made up entirely of women. I think, um, when was The Runaways? That was around that time. I think so. I think The Go-Go's was a little bit later. So I'm going to say 52 for her. 49. Dennis Bryan from Amen Corner, who had the 1969 UK number one single, If Paradise is Half as Nice, plus five other UK top 40 hits. 53. 49. Kenny Aronson, American bassist. He has recorded or performed with several notable artists, such as Bob Dylan, Billy Joel, Joan Jett and the Black... Not Billy Joel, Billy Idol. I don't know how to read. Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, New York Dolls, and Hall and Oates. 52. 52. Martin Noble, Dutch bassist and a founding member of American alternative rock Porno for, Porno for Pyros. <laughs> okay. I've heard of them before. That's mm-hmm. all it says. 56. 65. And then I'll just give you one more. Oh. Okay, it's actually somebody that you might know of. Wynn Butler, lead vocalist, songwriter with the Grammy Award winning indie rock band Arcade Fire. Huh. 82. 80. Okay, that wasn't too far off. So, I guess I will ask you a question if you have... Wow, do you want to get into recommendations before I ask you this question? Yes. We, I know we're late to the game. Okay. 
I recommend Murderville. That is a funny-ass show. There's only six episodes. We watched the first two. But the whole premise of the show is Will Arnett plays a a homicide detective. And they bring in a guest star that, like, is supposed to be his trainee. And the trainee has no clue what's going to happen or what's going on. They have to solve the murder. So it's like a murder mystery dinner, but... Like, only one person doesn't have a clue instead of a whole group of people. And the first one had Conan, and the second one had Marshawn Lynch. And, oh, my God, I'm still laughing at some of the shit. And I actually figured out the second one. Yeah, you did. So, it was... was, It's really funny. It's on Netflix. Like I said, six episodes. They're about 40 minutes long. Hilarious. There's a Christmas one, too. Oh, yeah, and a Christmas one. We're going to have to watch. Check it out. Okay. So, I actually have a recommendation this time. What? So, just because of the episode that this is in, pick an artist off of this soundtrack and kind of go into their catalog. You know, not necessarily... Pick an album off of... Or pick an artist off of this list and listen to an album of theirs that is mm-hmm. not a Greatest Hits album. Yeah. And, and maybe you'll find a new track that you have that you don't know that you would like or that you would say oh okay i like this track now i want to i have a more i want to check out more of this artist because i've listened to something that's not a greatest hits album right okay good so i have a question for you and i have a feeling i'm not gonna agree with Hmm. you based on my personal opinions of the kind of question that i have Okay. Uh, okay. That doesn't make any sense, but we've already established my opinions on soundtracks. All right. So, what is the best soundtrack of all time? <laughs> if you, in your <laughs> professional scholarly opinion, <laughs> you're not gonna like what I have to say. I never like what you have to say. <laughs> you really want to know? Not now, but sure. The Together soundtrack from the early 2000s MTV movie about the boy bands. Oh, fuck you. I'm done. I'm done with this episode. (laughs) I'm going to unplug my wife. I'm done. I know I have to shout, but my mic's unplugged, so now you can hear me over there. I'm done. You you finish everything on your own. Quit. Thank you for listening. Uh, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Worst on Mars. He's so angry. Um, find us on Facebook, Worst Podcast on Mars. Send us an email, Worst on Mars at gmail.com. Um, stop by. <laughs> Say hi. Tell us what your favorite soundtrack is. Um, <laughs> I can't believe he unplugged his microphone. Um, on Tuesdays, we do little mini episodes where I give you a very brief history of an album and we do our reviews and you can give us a suggestion for those at any one of those platforms. You leave us a rating, leave us a review, and come back next week when we're going to talk Radiohead's OK Computer. Goodbye.